Let us begin the story of resurrection from the Gospel of Matthew. This is the proclamation of Easter. Matthew is very clear in the way we are guided through the story, first of Jesus' death and then of Jesus' resurrection. The way Matthew tells this in the gospel story, it's important to begin with verse 45, which starts at noonday. Matthew is very clear in the way this is divided, and and we have a very important word that can help us in understanding what Matthew seems to be doing in sharing with us the good news of Jesus' resurrection. It starts with this eschatological reality. It's a very important word for us in the way Matthew works. Eschatological is a word that comes from two Greek words, eschatological meaning the ending of things, and logos, meaning the study of or words about things. And so eschaton means sort of the end of an era, and eschatology means the study of or the words about the end of that thing or era. So what Matthew is sharing with us in Jesus' resurrection is an eschatological reality. Uh, That's a word maybe we want to practice saying together, eschatological. It's a great word. You can use this in your Sunday school classes and will impress the people that you're with. This is such an eschatological moment in time. Well, that's what's happening in the way Matthew describes what occurs in Jesus' death and resurrection. It was about noon. It's an eschatological uh, bringing together of all creation for what happens in this moment is at noonday when the sun is at its apex, darkness comes over the entire land. It is an eschatological shift. Something is happening in all creation. There's something going on that is changing from one era to the next, for not only my life and your life and the lives of the people surrounding the cross on that day, but for all creation. Darkness comes over all the land, Matthew says. It's a reflection of Genesis 1, when God created the heavens and the earth, darkness was across the face of the deep. This is movement now. Something is happening. There is an ending, but there's also the very real potential of a beginning like Genesis 1 and preparation for a whole new creation. This is an eschatological reality, but it comes with great grief and a sense of absence and this real cry of despair that now comes from Jesus' lips, because just as the sun seems to disappear from the sky, as the light goes out at noonday, Jesus cries out, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. The Aramaic words Jesus is speaking, Matthew translates for us from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, that incredible lament, that cry of absence, that that sense of something is happening that I can't control and I feel completely uh, abandoned and in the midst of despair. 
It's also in Psalm 22 when we find out that the psalmist is lamenting not only feeling left out by creation and left alone from God, but also we find out that the enemies of the psalmist have taken his clothes and have cast lots for them and are dividing those clothes. The only possessions that psalmist has left are being divvied out among his captors and his enemies. Exactly what happens with Jesus and the Roman soldiers, taking his few remaining possessions and dividing them among themselves. Psalm 22 forms the basis of Matthew 27. So we've got Genesis 1 echoing in the background. We've got Psalm 22 quoted by Jesus. And then we find out in this cry of absence from from, uh, the, the verses moving forward, It is now at three o'clock when Jesus breathes his last. And we discover in this moment now, Genesis 1, sure enough, is reflected again and echoed for it was the Spirit of God, the Ruach of God, the wind, the breath of God that blew across the face of the waters in the midst of the darkness. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. In Matthew chapter 27, what happens in Jesus' death between 12 and at precisely 3 o'clock when Jesus breathed his last, not only has the light gone out, but now the breath has dispersed. The spirit is gone. The wind stops blowing. This sense of creation being reversed. And there is sort of this pause across the land. It is not only Jesus' cry of absence, for himself, but in a sense, a despairing and absent cry for all the land. Also at precisely three o'clock now, there is this this rending of the, the curtain in the temple. And this is Matthew's very important imagery for, remember, Jesus had at several points talked about the temple being the dream of God as the house of prayer for all people, quoting from Jeremiah the hope that that all people would be available to worship and be a part of this, the power of prayer and connection with God. The temple, unfortunately, had not fulfilled that for many people. Many were excluded. Many were left out. And it is in now this this 27th chapter at three o'clock, Jesus breathes breathes his last. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple is ripped in two. Now, this is uh, 60 feet wide, 30 feet high, uh, five inches thick. It is a purple, blue, and red woven linen that is huge, thick, heavy. It is this this enormous 30-foot-tall barrier that separates the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. And in the moment of Jesus' death, when he breathes his last, when the Spirit moves and leaves, the temple curtain is ripped in two from top to bottom. The imagery is powerful and very clear. No human hands could rip this temple curtain only the hands of God, opening up this Holy of Holies, now as a place of worship. This is an eschatological moment. This is a transition of time. This is a shift, clear shift in reality from one era now to the next. Something is happening. From three o'clock, now we move. uh, Jesus' uh, death has taken place, and now we move into a new spot, a new place, 
where the shift moves into beginning of night. And we're confronted with another very subtle shift with Matthew, where we, we find that there's kind of a circle, a full circle that Matthew seems to be bringing us to. For in this 27th chapter, we have a man named Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man who gives a gift to Jesus, who, whose body needs a place to be laid. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea has gone and asked for his body to be taken from the cross and placed in this wealthy man's tomb, Joseph of Arimathea. There's a parallelism here in a way, also kind of an eschatological shift moving us back to the second chapter of Matthew. For remember, there were some wealthy men, we know them as Magi, who had been secret disciples of Jesus from a faraway place, the Gospel of John tells us Joseph of Arimathea was also a secret disciple of Jesus. He was wealthy. He offers Jesus this gift of a tomb to be buried in. It had never been used before. Like uh, the, the Magi in the second chapter of, of Matthew, gifts are given. One of those gifts, interestingly, is myrrh. Myrrh is a spice that is used to balm dead bodies with. And there seems to be a circular, uh, full circle now coming where Matthew seems to be moving us back to these wealthy magi giving Jesus a gift, a wealthy man giving Jesus a gift. There is also this interaction with Pilate that Joseph of Arimathea has and some conspiring of soldiers that takes place in this 27th chapter. It is just after Jesus' death now where we see there is almost an allusion to birth and Christmas. There is the, the gift that Joseph offers parallel to the gifts that the Magi provide. There is this movement now, this talk among the soldiers and Pilate, this conspiring, paralleling what Herod does with his soldiers. In the second chapter of Matthew, remember at the very beginning in the birth story of Jesus, there is Herod conspiring, there are soldiers marching, there is fear emerging. And so it is in this story where Pilate and the soldiers get together and they conspire to make sure that nothing can happen to Jesus' body. And it's night. And it's as though now creation pauses. There's another eschatological reminder that something is about to happen. It's dark outside. It's mysterious and strange. And it's as though creation pauses. The Sabbath takes place. In those days, it was the Saturday Sabbath. And there's a breath and a renewal. And then the sun begins to rise on Sunday morning, the first day of the week. There's something now about creation that begins to be different. There had been not only the darkness and the absence of Jesus' breath, there also had been, in, in Matthew's telling, the, the, the movement of the earth, the shaking, the trembling, uh, creation again, this eschatological moment uh, at Jesus' death. Now that happens again. This time, though, in kind of a renewal moment, the earth begins to tremble, and Jesus' tomb 
opens up, and it opens up with the coming of the sun, the dawning of a new day, the beginning of a new time, the emerging of a new era, and it is now women, several of whom had been at Jesus' cross at his death, now are at his tomb, and something amazing begins to happen. With the coming of the sun, with the shaking of the earth, with the, the, the renewal of creation, they discover something. It's also feels like reconnecting to the birth of Jesus in the second chapter of Matthew. It feels like, in a way, a gift being given to the world that is indescribable. And the sun is up and the tomb is empty. And something new begins to dawn for you and for me. When the sun rose on that first Easter morning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. There was an earthquake and an angel that shone like lightning and had clothes of dazzling white descended and sat on the very stone that had moments before barred anyone from exiting or entering the tomb where Jesus had been laid. When the Marys realized the truth of what happened, they left to go tell the disciples quickly. And the Bible tells us that they left filled with both fear and great joy. Both fear and great joy. Joy for Mary and Mary. Joy for the disciples who had walked beside him. Joy for the whole world. Joy because the Lord has come. Joy because the world can now receive its king. Joy because every heart can prepare him room. Because heaven and nature all sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let all people their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sound and joy. Repeat the sound and joy. Repeat, repeat the sound and joy.